My name is Andy Horning, and this is Elephant Talk. It's about all things relationship, the soulful, the stormy, the silly, and the sexy. On today's show, we bring you a different sort of episode. It's a conversation between Mary Pat and Kurt and the issues that they've struggled with throughout their 21-year marriage. But we also bring you a experiential conversation, a counseling session between Mary Pat and Kurt and a marriage counselor, Dr. Susan Heitler. Together, they look at some of these long-standing areas of tension. We went to Nepal. It was really difficult. You can't drink the water or anything. And I had just about had it with you, and I swear if I had never seen you again, it would have been fine, and I really wanted a divorce. I could wipe myself with one square in Nepal. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, that's broke it different. Into four pieces. We're not in Nepal anymore, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the good news and the bad news. You're very bonded as a couple. I love that. So you're very sensitive. And in a way, maybe the problem is you're too empathic. So you go straight into feeling what the other person is feeling. And I love the idea that, oh, if you step back, then you have a shot of saying, oh, if I step out of this for just too many seconds, the odds are higher that I can use my new tool, how and what questions. I had lived in Steamboat about a year at this point, and... I moved there and right. got a job with the Forest Service and was working with Whitley. She said, so, hey, you know, my roommate's birthday is is tomorrow. We're going to have a little party at the smokehouse. Why don't you come? She thought we might have something in common because you had done that year-long bike trip through New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. And I rode my bike across the country that same year. Yeah, you came exchanged, over to my house. We exchanged our journals. Yeah, you came over to borrow, trips. to borrow my journal. And I, I was volunteering for the Forest Service. I needed another job. Yeah. And you were working at Mocha Molly's, the coffee shop, and they needed a baker. So I said, Vaughn, I'll bake you some bread and muffins, bring them back in the afternoon. <laughs> so I did, and he hired me. Yep. And that's kind of where we fell in love. And you were the, the best shop. baker they had. You, you didn't want anything to do with me because no. you were eight years older than I Yes. Yet. That was a problem for me. So then Kathy came out. Yes, she told sister. me she told me to do the dough boy. Do the dough boy, yeah. <laughs> so and and, uh, and my mom said look at it this way, at least you won't be a widow. Because at that time a bunch of her friends were becoming widows and she thought that that would be good. So if my sister and my mom approved, I thought, all right, I'll give you a shot. <laughs> So we were together for, what, two and a half years? Yes. And, uh, and then we broke up. You gave me the ultimatum. You said, hey, my biological clock's ticking here. You either I want to have kids, so either marry me or hit the road. So I was like, all right, I'm hitting the road. Mm -hmm. So I came back after three months in Patagonia, and uh, I realized down there sitting on this lake, I was like, I'm going to marry Mary Pat. So I I came home. I was training for a 50-miler, so I was running a lot. You were on, it was on Mad Creek. And there I was running up, and I running was up Mad Creek, Lauren. and you were walking down with Lauren. And we, of course, had a talk, and then I just wanted to keep going because I needed to get my training run in, and I was really over you. And we talked for a minute, and Lauren's like, hey, could you give him a ride? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And Lauren left. So and that was it. And then you told me all this crap. Oh, I'm, you know, I decided I want to marry you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I didn't believe it. And I stuck that little note in the, the oh, juniper yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because uh, that was one of the first places we had gone. I wrote four different letters. Yeah. Said I... And I put them in little envelopes. Oh, yeah. Said, I will marry you. And you spelled Mary wrong. 
gotta love that. That was a long letter. Yes, they were. And uh, and then I, I have that. I too. went to the flower shop and had them get four big things of flowers, and uh, had them shipped over to right across the street to your uh, office. That was ten o'clock in the morning, and I said, yeah. "Meet me at the smokehouse at noon." And uh, which I, I didn't, which I wasn't planning. I was, I wasn't going to do it. But Michael said, "You need to go do this," and I'm like, "Whatever." Well, what else did he say? He said, "If you don't, if you don't want to come back after lunch, just take the rest of the day off." I said, "I'll be back." So, but I didn't go back. So we, uh, oh, I, I hadn't gotten a ring yet, so. The only jewelry shop in town was uh, Dell's. They had like five diamond rings, and I said, I'll take that one. You know, we're talking, and I reached into my pocket, and I think my hand was shaking. Yes, it was. I pulled the ring out, and I said, will you marry me? And you go, you're fucking serious, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Well, so the flowers, I was just like, yeah, he's still full of crap. He doesn't, he's just talking out of his ass. But then when you had a diamond ring then I was like oh you're fucking serious that's exactly what I said and you slid it on yeah and uh didn't say yes or no no didn't say anything and no and we decided to go out there to the out there to the sand flats again out at Browns Park and we drove out there that night where the note was where the note was and needless to say I didn't go back to work just like Michael predicted yeah but we did it under the stars in our sleeping bags, remember? Yeah. Remember I said I wanted to make sure I still wanted to have sex with you before I was going to say yes to marrying you? <laughs> we got married a year later. Yeah. So then we went on the honeymoon. We went on a 10-month honeymoon around the world, and it was really hard. We went to hard places to travel. We went to Nepal. You can't drink the water or anything. And I had just about had it with you, and I swear if I had never seen you again it would have been fine and I really wanted a divorce anytime you would meet people and they would say to us if you make it through this honeymoon you're going to be married a long time they were great but I even think that's true because some days even now we have hard times and we go through lots of hard times but I do think that history of that 10 months together traveling is it's like who else do I have that history with nobody I love our story. Yeah. And I love talking about it. So anytime we can tell it, I love telling it. Because it was really, I mean, we've well, got it some, was awesome. We broke up and then we got back together. And and some of the stories from our honeymoon. Oh, yeah. We had a great time. It was a great time, but it's funny. But it was read, difficult. It was a lot more difficult for you because we both kept journals and I remember reading through your journal. It was like you read your journal and my journal. You would have thought we were on two totally separate trips. <laughs> That's true. You were just like crying every day and upset about this and that. And I was like, it was this hard, is great. Kurt. Yeah. It was hard. You, f- I mean, y- guys are different, you know, in terms of roughing it. I didn't have a shower for 15 days on my honeymoon. Who else has a honeymoon where they don't shower for 15 days? I don't know anyone. So. I think you lucked out with me. So I think we got along super well, but then when you have kids in the mix, I think then it gets super much more difficult, I think. Those first couple years were like, it's it's like you're in fairyland. Really? You went to work every day. I stayed yeah. home with two babies at the same time. I mean, staying home, raising kids is a hell of a lot harder than working. I don't care what kind of work you're doing. I agree. I think a lot of partners don't understand that. You know, that's definitely something that I know we don't always agree on it, but you're a damn good mother. <laughs> Thank you. I you said that the that. other day when we had Pierce. That was nice. Well, that's because I kind of noticed it. Yeah. I mean... Heaven. You're a damn good father, too, sometimes, Thanks. when you're not yelling at the kids. The kids stuff's hard. My upbringing was a lot different than yours, I think, so a lot of times we don't agree on how stuff should be done. Just the way I speak to the kids, just the way I 
I'm not negative. I always think if you want to do something bad enough, you can freaking do it. And I really try to instill that in the kids. And, you know, maybe you're coming around a little bit these days, but I don't know. I just don't think that that's how you were raised. So, yeah, I mean, I because you tell me stories about different things that happen in your family. And there wasn't that would have never happened in my family. Wasn't much empathy. No, in my there still isn't. But, you know, it it is is what what it is. is. Yeah. But, you know, I. There was stuff my parents used to do to me. I was like, I'll never do that if I to my kids, if I have kids and. There I am doing it. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and I think it's like that with both of us. We have, you know, good traits and bad traits. Yeah. But even Ian will say to me now, I hate it when he yells and screams or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And then a couple days later, he'll be talking to me like that. And I'm like, Ian, you're talking to me just like Daddy talks to you, and it's not going to work. Yeah, I need to change that I mean one thing I'm realizing is they're getting ready to leave the house so you better get your shit together is that what you're thinking yeah I mean I want to sort of break the cycle of you know bad habits Hmm, we'll see but I mean a lot of people have told us you have good kids yeah you guys have done a good job and I always worry that we're not doing, I'm not doing a good enough job. People see it from the outside. They don't see what, what an asshole I can be at home because <laughs> I let my guard down with yeah. you guys. But, you know, it's easy to hide that from everybody else. I know. You're always on your best behavior when other people are around. It's true. We all are. Your mother was a perfectionist at that. Yes, she was. And she thought you were the salt of the earth. Every time I complain about you to her, she would say, you stop it. He's the salt of the earth. Whatever, you try being married to him. always about money yeah because we don't agree on that yeah i don't know that we ever will so no i i don't think so either (laughs) at least we've got enough of it now that we don't have to worry too much it didn't matter if we didn't have any money or if we had money was still was money i just can't figure that part out sometimes i just can't back down on stuff and if I could just agree with it, there probably wouldn't be any fighting, but I, I'm i not that type of person. I don't have that kind of personality, but you knew that. Yeah, when we're you both married pretty. Me, I mean, an example of us both being stubborn would be the heating. You like to keep it at 58 in the daytime. Ridiculous. So me and the kids walk by the thermostat, turn it up, and you come, what the hell? And then you turn it down. And then you leave, and then I just wait a minute, and then I just go turn it up. I mean, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a silent. No, you're not. No, you're not. You have a hat on and a sweatshirt. Okay, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. Like, I grew up, you know, with my mother. And, uh, because my parents had gotten divorced when I was in fifth grade or something. We'd have real butter maybe once or twice, I remember, <laughs> when I was a kid, and we're like, I'm like, who's coming over for dinner? Yeah, because you Cause had Because we knew somebody butter. was coming over for dinner if we were having real butter. She'd take uh, powdered milk. We had always had powdered milk, and she'd water it down. That's what we'd have for right. cereal. And you still with. yell at me about toilet paper, like, pretty much once a week. About how much toilet paper we use. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can hear it spinning yeah. in the bathroom. Whatever. I could wipe myself with one square in Nepal. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I that's broke it different. into four pieces. We're not in Nepal anymore, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> 
but things were different in Nepal. And that's another thing you love to bring up. Well, people in Nepal don't have any money. I'm like, I know, but we don't live in Nepal. We live here. I mean, I tend to remember the good times. Yeah. Not the bad times. It's like, well, I survived that. Yeah. I'm a breezer. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, honey. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's the same way with our relationship. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I agree. We, we've been through some hard times. But yep. I don't, I don't dwell, there's not stuff I'm dwelling on. I mean, the negative stuff. What are our goals? What are our goals when these kids, our kids are gone? It's not that far off. And you're always like, I just want to get the kids out of the house. I mean, I think of things that I would love to do, but I always try to get you to talk about, you know, where you see yourself or what do you want to do or what's your dream retirement look like? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, do you think about that? Because I think about it all the time. Yeah, I think. Building like, my dream house and. I think, you know, we could invite our friends over and have a dinner, you know. That would be nice. And that, I know, but do you want to buy a place on the beach somewhere? Do you want to have a few different houses? Do you want to move to Arizona, to the desert? Like, I, I don't even know what you want to do. Well, I've been thinking about it. I mean, it'd be nice to, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to stay in that house we're in. My dream, I don't. I think you think it's cool, but I don't know if it's your dream. I would love to know what your dreams are. You don't tell me, but a straw bale house is, you know, stacked up straw bales. And then you put stucco over the outside and it's super energy efficient. I think it'd be cool to have a straw bale, but. Well, we have to have land to have a straw bale on. So that's something we should buy sooner than later because it's not going to get any cheaper. I think the reason the straw bale is my dream is because I'm tired of being cold and hot all the time. I'm cold in the winter, I'm hot in the summer, and a straw bale is so much more energy efficient. And I just think, oh, wouldn't that be great? We'll see. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I mean, it's funny that I think you know a lot of things about what I want, but I don't really know what you want. And I'm not quite sure how to get it out of you or if maybe you don't know what you want. Well, yeah, I don't don't have any huge you know i'd like to get the kids through college that's what you say every time we try to talk about this i'd like to not work at this level for the rest for another 20 years you're in your 40s don't you think most people in their 40s are working pretty hard yeah yeah so i mean it'd be fun to travel i know i would love to travel but you know but but i just want to say one thing about that I'm not in, I'm not 30 anymore. So I don't necessarily want to backpack through Nepal. I mean I would, but I'd also like to go on a little more plush adventures as well maybe. Just a five star resort tour. No, well, that could be thrown in there every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean it doesn't it's have to be a five star resort, but a little more some. little more luxury if you will would be okay with me. <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd like to, I'd like to have something to come back to. We don't have the resources to buy a nice place on the beach in Florida. I don't want to wait till the kids are out of college and then be like, okay, now what should we do? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm more than happy to try to start figuring that out. I mean, we we're in a position now. We actually have, you know some discretionary income. We've never had that before. Yeah. And everything. It's funny to me that no matter when we didn't have any money and when we do have money, we still have money troubles. It's never going to change, I don't think. And it drives me crazy. So when I talk about money troubles, I just mean we just don't agree on much when it comes in the way of finances. And I think in our whole relationship, I think that's our biggest issue. Would you agree? Yeah, it's a... It's just, 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we have money, if we don't have money. We just don't agree on how to how to spend money, how to save money. I don't know. I just, I don't know why that is. Because we pretty much grew up pretty with not much of anything, both of us. Yeah, I agree. I I kind of look back and enjoy the simplicity of the way things were before we had five mortgages and, you know, all this responsibility and everything. But, uh... Yeah, I know you liked it when we were living out of our backpacks in Nepal, but that isn't the case anymore. Yeah. We need to take more vacations. We need to... We need to live for today a little bit, in my opinion, because we could be, as my dad would have said, six feet under. You never know when that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So we don't have to save every penny because we may not even live to to enjoy it. So I'm kind of about enjoying the day today. Every day we don't always like each other, but I definitely think we love each other for the long haul. Yeah, we've been through a lot together. But God, some days, I'll tell you. (laughs) And, you know, the sex is like like wine, you know, it gets better with age. (laughs) That's good. That's good to hear. I would agree. You know, I love this interview because it illustrates the love, the connection between Mary Pat and Kurt, and they don't shy away from the challenge of the disconnection that every relationship has. There are real areas of tension, but I also hear a willingness to work through those challenges, a lightness, a playfulness, and a recognition of the investment that they've put into their marriage thus far. We were also honored that following that recording, Mary Pat and Kurt took us up on our offer for a a recorded counseling session with Dr. Susan Heitler. She's a marriage counselor we interviewed last season in episode 12. Take a listen. Welcome, Mary Pat and Kurt. A pleasure to meet you both. You too. Good. This is the first time I've met you And what we're doing is essentially a first therapy session. The way I do therapy is we'll mostly focus on what's going on right here in the therapy room. Think for a minute about your relationship and how things have been going. Notice what issue comes up as something that you'd really like to use this session to work through. Okay, you can open your eyes. Share with each other what scenes each of you saw. For me, I was thinking about our usual issue, and it's about money. And I was just thinking about new mountain bike versus new stove, and that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And for you? Uh, I, You know, the first thing that came to mind was, was not uh, not yelling as much when we're talking about issues. Uh So what I'm hearing is you would like to do something about the yelling. Is that right? Yeah, just communicating on a more more even-keeled basis rather than tying emotion into it all the the time. Emotional intensity. Who yells in the house? Everybody yells now. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Who trained them? Well, our kids learned from us. Uh-huh. And, and you both yell with each other? Yes, I would say so. But I think some people yell more than others. Yeah, uh-huh. I've been accused of being the yeller. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would say. Both so. kids and Mary Pat. So we're going to look at yelling, and we're going to look at that over the issue of spending, specifically mountain bike versus, what was it, stove? A new, new, yes. New stove? You know, we looked at stoves like two years ago, and now we still don't have one. And it's, it's, it's irritating to me 
Because the second you decided I needed a new mountain bike, boy, I had a new mountain bike in like a week. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? The mountain bike is probably more expensive than the damn stove. I see you smiling. What's the thought that goes with the smiling, Kurt? Or the feeling that goes with it? It's, well, I, I mean, it's, I'm not angry or mad or anything. I'm, no, it's I know. It's just interesting and, to hear you say that. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you look back on the talking you've been doing so far, how is this the same and how is this different from what you would do if you were at home? And this is especially if this was the first time you'd brought it up. Each of you look within yourself at what you're doing differently. There'd be yelling if we were at home and nobody was around and to witness it. there'd be yelling? I believe Kurt would yell. I don't know. And what would you do? A lot of times I'm, I don't participate. I when shut down Kurt and yells, I say, yeah, when, yeah, and I'm not going to fight and I'm not going to yell. And mm-hmm. the other day we were up at the lake with the dog and he started yelling and I said, you know, I'm leaving. And I walked home with the dog because mm-hmm. I'm not and yelling. And how was that for you, Kurt? When she said, I'm leaving, I'll go for a walk. Yeah, I don't know. I said, well, all right. I, I just went home. I, what was it over? I, I can't even remember. What, so what do you think you could do differently in the future that will make it easier to just settle it right then? Don't yell. Have more empathy. Both of oh, those so would those probably help. those are very help. interesting. Empathy uh, and keeping the voice volume down. Were you aware that at key points in the earlier conversation you were having in front of me here, uh, there was a missing piece of what, in a practical sense, I think of as empathy from both of you, actually. When one of you says something, the other one was missing on picking it up. So I didn't, I didn't highlight it then. I wanted to just let it flow for a bit. Only I'm going to keep my ears open and help you begin to recognize that. Because what happens if you say something and it doesn't get picked up? What, what happens to you emotionally? You feel like the other person isn't listening and or doesn't care. That's how you feel. Let's use I, I for you. I do, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. he's not listening, he doesn't care. And how do you feel when she's not picking up on something you said? I get frustrated. Uh-huh. And, and when, then I'll start, you know, temper will start flaring. Uh-huh. So I have a hunch that the little technical glitch of not picking up on what the other person said may be one of the triggers for the flare-ups. Could be. Could It's a thought. It's mm-hmm. a thought. Hmm. I very much try to listen, though, and I try to pick up on little nuances and stuff. I, I, I feel like I do. Maybe I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you do try, and I'll bet sometimes you do. And I did notice several times when one of you said something, and it didn't get picked up. So we have a grammar of dialogue. And your grammar of dialogue, even when you're doing your very best, is missing that piece of explicitly picking up at some key moments. So that's striking to me if you then say, oh, that's what inflames me. I feel frustrated with the word you use. And remind me again, what's the word the Oh, I feel like he's not listening to me like I... Or doesn't understand. Not listening or or doesn't doesn't understand. Yeah, doesn't care. If you look at what you could do when the other person doesn't hear, what could you do? You just have to be more... Let's use I instead of you. I would just have to explain things more fully and Uh more, you know, explicitly... Because right. clearly, that's one choice. Right. You can give more detail. Right. And there's this, always a second choice. Want to help her out? Just listen and have me explain it again. Say, uh, yes, don't... ask, gee, uh, what's going on with you? So there's always two choices. As soon as you begin to get a negative little feeling, like frustrated or, oh, he doesn't care, and you find yourself going down that negative labeling, he's dense. Oh, let's not take that road. In fact, close your eyes for a minute. Let's put a big barrier on that road of negative labeling. What does the barrier look like? How are you going to close it off? 
just pile up a bunch of Jersey barriers. Uh-huh. Jersey barriers? What are Jersey barriers? The little concrete things on the side of construction oh. jobs. I, was on like, the I didn't know what those were either. Yeah. Like, what? Interesting. They'd... Ah, so did you notice, what did I do when he said something and I didn't quite get right. it? What did I do? You asked what that what it was. Exactly. Like, explain. Please explain that. I asked what are Jersey. So good questions begin with one or of two words. What or how or why? Exactly. How? How? How or what? Just stimulate the flow of information. When would you use that um, tool of asking questions? I think this is a typical guy thing. Uh, you you come in all worked up. Oh, this client is so frustrating. I can't believe I got to do this and this. And boom, I'm throwing out solutions. And that's the last thing she wants to hear. She uh-huh. just ask questions like, "Oh, how did that happen?" or "What what happened?" And just just listen. Because wow, I'm impressed. Exactly. So those how and what questions are tools that are useful for a number of situations. One, if there's a road you don't want to go down, and if you just say, "Wait." I'm going to pause for a minute. What's a question I could ask? I, I so often just get, when when she's all worked up, I get worked up too. I okay. mean, it's, it's like, and I think if I just need to remove myself from getting worked up and uh-huh. sort of getting so all emotional. So you very emotionally permeable to her feeling, and it's sounding to me that's two-way. Yeah, right. I would agree. So that's the good news and the bad news. You're very bonded as a couple. I love that. Mm-hmm. So you're very sensitive. And in a way, maybe the problem is you're too empathic. So you go straight into feeling what the other person is feeling. And I love the idea that, oh, if you step back, then you have a shot of saying, oh, if I step out of this for just too many seconds, the odds are higher that I can use my new tool, how and what questions. Just ask for more information. Hmm. What would that be like for you, Mary Pat? Well, oftentimes I don't want anyone to help me. I'm not asking for anyone to help me solve something. I just sometimes need to vent. You, like most women, don't want someone to come in and tell you the answer. Right. Or what the, they don't want to fix it. Right. Probably you wouldn't be saying anything to him if you didn't want to move toward solution on that issue. Well, or digested in some way. Yeah, but he was referring to just things about my work and stuff. Okay. And he's not part of my work. Okay, you hold know, on just so. a minute. Interesting. Did you hear what she did with me just then, Kurt? Yeah, but. What does yeah, but do? What does it do to the information it, I was It tells you in? you're not important, or I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yes. Yeah. So you are pushing the information away from me. Right. When you start talking about something, I wonder if there is a part of you that's looking to for solutions. Well, I'm sure sometimes there is. A lot of times I just need to be like, oh, I'm home and oh, blah, 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 blah. This happened. Okay. But I don't want necessarily. Okay, so there was a lot of buts in there. To discuss let's, it. Let's get used to changing the buts to ands. And, so a lot yeah. of times when I come home, I just want to share exactly. what's going on. And I'm not really interested in getting someone else's input on how so I could make it right. Don't want um, you correctly perceive, Kurt, that sh- that's not an invitation for you to fix it and give her answers. And at the same time, you have just shown Mary Pat that you are female. So I wouldn't be at all surprised when you dialogue between the two of you about a shared problem like. Uh, anything to do with money, the topic we're on today, probably that same pattern happens that, Kurt, you're at risk for rushing to a solution, either insisting on your way or prematurely giving up on what's important to you. Does that resonate to you? Right. It feels like, okay, I can fight for what I want or I can fold. Am I accurate there? It's so, I love your it's smile. So uh, well, it's I so got funny damn good because, at folding lately. No, but see, that's uh-huh. what he thinks he folds, and I think I fold. Hold on, hold on. So that's very I'm interesting. Going to, I'm going to call you each time, call it out, not yep. you, but the yep, yep. habit. Each time I hear yes, but, or no, but. Oh, yeah. What did he say that was right? Tell him. He said, I've been 
something like, I've been folding a lot lately. What did he, what makes sense that he's been folding a lot lately? He hasn't been. Oh. So that's what I'm, that's well, what I oh, get on, confused about. Use your new tool. How or what questions? What have you been folding about lately? Well, I mean, lately it's just been a progression over the years. Explain, name some things, because I sure could name some things. Am I what I think I've been folding about? But I'd like to hear what you've been folding about. A new house. That's a big one. A couple new houses. Whoops! I'm doing your job. <laughs> I apologize, Mary Pat. I said that's a big one. I, I because can... this is the empathy point that I was making before. There's a missing habit of digesting out loud what the other person said. So if he said a new house, pick up what makes sense about that. Do something with that data so he knows you heard it. Well, I want to. I want to. I want to rebuttal that because Ooh, because hold on, hold on. <laughs> mm, Are we rebuttal? In the <laughs> so if you want to have a smooth relationship, am I right that that's what you're here for? Is to yeah. make more flow, more ease. Yes. Less tension, adversarial, etc. Yes. So while you're the overtly louder one initially, Kurt, you're the rebuttaler. You you flip it from collaborative to adversarial inadvertently. I do not think you do this consciously. Am I correct? Yeah. You're not trying I to get so. on the opposite side. Right. Each time you push away data, I'm thinking of your hand, mm-hmm. with what's the word that's the push away word? Yeah, but... Yes, or but. no but, mm-hmm. but essentially deletes whatever came before. So there's various flavors of deleting. There's dismissal, there's push away, there's minimizing. Yours is push away mm-hmm. and then substitute your own view. Right. So that's your rebuttal. Right. The minute you do that, the conversation switches from collaborative, smooth information flow, additive dialogue, You say, I fold. You say, oh, what do you fold about? I wasn't aware of that. I know I fold a lot. And he says, well, for instance, the house, the new house. And now I see you shaking your head again. Find out in what regard. I can talk a lot more about that. Well, your perspective. Right. You're very experienced. How many years of marriage? At rebutting. Almost 21. So I believe you when you say, I am the champion of rebuttal. That's my words. Would you consider yourself the champion of rebuttal? I don't rebuttal? know if I'm the champion, but I, I, I certainly am not a pushover, if that's... Ah, so if the two choices are rebuttal, go into fight mode, rebuttal is right. a debate of fight, sure. adversarial, or pushover, fold. I do not like to be the one who folds, ever. Mm-hmm. So you can really empathize that if Kurt's been feeling like he's been folding, hmm, that's not a good feeling. But he hasn't. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, but I said but. You and, pushed it away. And, <laughs> and it's better. Hold yes. on. And even better is how or what. Keep going on. In well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean. Find out more about his experience of folding on the house, Yeah, for give me, <laughs> tell me exactly what you think went on with the house. Um, now, are you going to listen to tell him what's wrong with what he's saying? Or do you want to switch channels and listen for what makes sense to uptake new information? Well, to listen and try to get information would be more productive. I think so, too. Right. Which will bring more harmony to the relationship. Yes. Ex- uh, however. And, uh, no, that's a fancy but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's just that we've discussed this many times. So oh, this is an opportunity to take in some new data okay. that in the past has been pushed away. Okay. Go ahead, Kurt. I'd love to hear what you would like to say about the new house, although it's two and a half years old now. but It's the decision-making process that went into it. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, Mary Pat became a realtor. Uh, you became tell, a realtor. When you became what? a realtor. You're always looking at, at new houses. And- it's my job. Let's move it into you talking about you. The basic rule of collaborative dialogue, you can talk about yourself or you can ask about the other. Nobody gets to talk about the other. That's what I call a crossover, crossing the boundary between the two of you. See that 
little white picket fence between the two of you, mm-hmm. if you can picture that, you're not allowed to just hop over it. You stay on your side of the fence. So it, your job is to talk about I. Tell her when I felt like I was folding about the house. I I just felt like there there was always the desire to have a new house. And so or I... Or something. So eventually I was just like, okay, let's... Let's get one. So when you experience folding, what's the difference between agreeing and folding? I think agreeing would be where we could carry on a conversation and look at the pros and cons and and just come to a a logical decision together to say, well, I think this is the best way to move forward. Exactly. Pros and cons if it's a decision within you or pros and cons between the two of you. That's what I call the win-win waltz. You put your pros and cons, Kurt, all on one list, and yours, Mary Pat, on the same list. So now what you're doing is listing all the underlying concerns that come up about buying a new house, moving. Once you have all those concerns, if you want to end up with agreement, a win-win solution, you make a solution set, a plan of action, responsive to all the concerns. So it may still be to buy the house, only, Mary Pat, any idea what the concerns were that weren't accounted for in that solution? If not, just ask him what or how. There's so many things I want to say, but I'm not. And I'm not right now. Thank you for now. Let's just move forward. Right. Were the things you were going to say in agreement with him or about how he's wrong, he's wrong, he's wrong, he's wrong, and he's wrong. So let's drop that for now Mm -hmm. because your job is to talk about you or to ask about him. You can talk about yourself or you can ask about him. So find out what was going on that didn't get adequately conveyed that he ended up feeling like he folded rather than that this was a mutual agreement. What she said. <laughs> you can do it, Mary Pat. I want to hear it. Yes. Yeah, so what? I, I ask him a I question. I would love to with... know uh-huh. how yeah. you think you folded or whatever right. it was what you... about the house because okay. uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. keep going. Your turn, Kurt. She wants to know in what regard you folded. I just got I got kind of tired of having a conversation about how you wanted a, a, a new house. And what was tiring about it? What what I'm helping you out here just a minute. Okay, you do it. Well yeah, what was tiring about it? That's a good question. Also uh-huh. also Remember, your job now is to try to understand him, right. not to rebut him. Also, well, I don't know if I... It but, seems to me... Uh-uh, 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 okay. Because it seems to me that you... Uh-uh. That would be a crossover. Got it? Yes. It's telling him what to do. It's not for you to say to him what you think he thinks, what okay. you think he feels, or what you want him to do. Giving him orders is not as helpful as a good how or what question. So what about those discussions that the two of you had felt tiring? It happened in a couple hours, so there wasn't Uh much discussion, actually, which is interesting. It it was the, the years ahead of that of looking and the desire to to have a different house that that were tiring. And in what sense were they tiring for you? Because that can be fun. A lot of couples like sort of like a treasure hunt looking at this house and that house. Something about it was tiring for you, though. What was that? I, I'm happy with what we had. And what about what you had was happy for you? It's just kind of... You know, I I like having things sort of normal. 
you know, the same normal, change is difficult sometimes. Change is difficult for you. So that was one of the issues for you. So that gives you an opportunity to ask more information about that. If you did go down that road and you got some surprising answers, Mary Pat, what would be lovely about that for you? To Well, anything that would help us communicate better. So right. to understand more about what he's thinking would be great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And what would be nice for you, Kurt, if she kept asking you questions? Like, I'll do just one question now. Think about change. Change of houses, change. What moment comes up from your personal history as you think about that? It, it, it's not nearly as difficult as it was when we were living paycheck to paycheck. If you then go back even further in your life, when earlier in your life did change feel scary or threatening? Well, probably when my parents got divorced. Wow. How big a change was that for you? Well, it was a big change. I mean, it needed to happen. Uh-huh. They, they weren't very compatible. What feeling came up around change then? Well, I, I was in fifth grade. It was just kind of confusing. Uh-huh. So change meant confusing. For a fifth grader, that makes a lot of sense. And often in people's lives, the change from being an intact family, no matter how bad it is, to the shell around the family cracking and splitting open is a terrifying or confusing or something negative challenge. So my guess, Mary Pat, is that by asking more about change, you're getting to know Kurt better, he's beginning to know himself better, and he's beginning to understand why his gut response to change is a negative response because the template for how to react to change goes back to when you were 10 years old. What's different now about change for you? Well, I, I think it could be an exciting thing if we can learn to oh my come to something that's that we agree on. A new house is it's going to happen in the next five years, and I'd like to not get into a pissing match about you know what five hundred dollar like a square foot countertops or and or what just, you'd like to do instead is be able to do what just to talk about it, you know, realistically, and say okay, you know, let's. Let's talk about everything we have in mind. And, you know, if a budget's part of that, a budget's part of it, and say, here's what mm-hmm. we can agree to. And this agree is to. very important for the two of you. How are you going to feel if you make decisions by one dominating and the other one folding? How would you feel if you're the folder? I don't like feeling like I'm the folder. How would you feel if you fold? Uh, I, I don't like it, but... You know, I don't I like can, it, but let's leave off the button. Yeah. You don't like it. Nobody in general wants to fold. In fact, fold road goes to depression. It's a lose. Like even when your favorite athletic team loses, you have a low feeling. So if instead of making decisions with a winner and a loser, which is what you get from adversarial decision-making, what would happen if you made those decisions all win-win, looking for agreement. Let's buy a new house, and let's talk over each decision in a way where we're really respectful, we're collaborative. It's yes, and, and lots of how and what questions, So rather than debating so that one person's perspective counts and the other one gets pushed away. Because what we've been doing this session is setting out a new paradigm for how to talk with each other, So everyone's data counts. Nobody's data gets pushed away. And so the voices stay quiet. Nobody escalates. The first technique we talked about to prevent the escalation is if you feel yourself beginning to escalate, step back. Just step out of the room if you need to or just step back for a moment from the conversation. Come back and ask a question to get more information. Either... Remember the rule, you can talk about yourself. Gee, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable right now. 
or you can ask about the other. What did you mean when you said uh, tiring, whatever? Talk about yourself or ask about the other. Anytime you step back instead of continuing to escalate, then step in in a quieter tone of voice, that for you, Kurt, will be essential to staying on that road of collaborative decisions that lead to agreement that makes decision-making fun between a couple. And for you, Mary Pat, the skills of taking the data he gives you seriously instead of pushing it away. grateful to Mary Pat and Kurt for diving into this experiential counseling session with Dr. Heitler. You know, in our busy day today, going to work, dropping kids, running a household, we don't often stop and reflect on how our language can so directly impact the communication we use with those around us. And it was fascinating to hear Dr. Heitler dissect the language of but and 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 the power that Anne gives us to collaborate. When we acknowledge that two perceptions of reality can exist at the same time, we move from either or to both and, and that becomes a potent tool for communication. As anyone who's been married a long time knows, successful relationships don't necessarily look like happily ever after. Rather, They look a little bit like what we just heard from Mary Pat and Kurt. They're messy. They aren't perfect. They require our love and attention. And most importantly, they require us to choose them, to choose each other over and over every day. Thanks to Mary Pat and Kurt and Dr. Susan Heitler for their participation in this episode. For additional information and resources on this episode and the content in it, or to comment on the show, please visit our website, elephanttalk.org, and join the conversation. Elephant Talk is produced by Kim Poletti. Our theme music is by Rob Berger, and audio production assistance provided by Leslie Gaston-Bird and Josh Kern. You're listening here, so you know how to find your podcast, but if you could please review the show on iTunes, We would greatly appreciate it. Reviewing spreads the word. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Andy Horning. This is Real Love. This is Elephant Talk.